Another week of Adventures Weekly, everybody. Welcome. You may not recognize my backdrop. I'm actually in Canberra today and a big thanks to the Canberra Yacht Club for having me. I'm up in their signal tower, which hasn't been opened for quite a while because their season was cut short. And obviously it's now winter and it's freezing. It's only eight degrees outside, but it is very, very steamy in this box because it's a beautiful day. I hope you enjoyed that previously on and it's so great to have you all with me today. Now, we're going to get straight into the news segment because we have a really interesting guest this week. Last week, of course, for episode one of season two, we had Andrew Dog Palfrey. I did try to do the show with Dog and Big Fella, but this week we have Big Fella. So we're going to get straight into our sailing news in 60 seconds. If I can find the... Nah, can't find the sailing news in 60 seconds. Insert, so we'll just get straight into it. So... A mediation by the America's Cup Arbitration Panel chairman has been successfully concluded between the teams representing Luna Rossa, the team of the Italian Challenger of Record, and the Defender Emirates Team New Zealand. Basically, this involves broadcast rights and who actually gets the dollars from where the broadcast money is coming from. You can read all about it online and check it out there, but we'd like to keep you up to date on what's happening with the AC. New Zealand is the only boat that's still out training, but we're waiting to see when American Magic does get out on the water. Thomas Rant has regained the lead of the Vendée Arctic Les Ebles de Rhône race at exactly the right moment today, and he rounded the southwest corner of Iceland in the lead. Congratulations to him. Now, you may have seen on my Facebook page and Instagram or on the Australian sailing team that we saw some whales basically crash the party at the Australian sailing team development squad camp, and we'll hear a little bit more from our guest of the week who is also now set to stay on as performance director through until the Tokyo to- Tokyo 2020 mm, Olympics, I think we're calling them. So without further ado, here's our guest of the week, Big Fella. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well, Nick, thanks. Excellent. It's so nice to have you joining us. I know I'm in sunny Canberra. Where are you? I'm at the Australian Sailing National Training Centre of um, uh, down at Middle Harbour Yacht Club, Sydney. Excellent. And I hear that you'll be staying on past Tokyo 2020 now. Uh, I'm, um, you know, obviously we, I'd made a commitment to the team to stay on through to Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. Um, well, we're kind of meant to be there now, but yeah. uh, it went a little bit haywire on that front. So this is really to, you know, to allow me to get to what I started three years ago and, yeah. you know, finish with the team in Tokyo. That's so great because I know that uh, it would almost be an unfinished job if you didn't go with them now, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, it's, you know, it's an interesting journey. This is obviously a role that, you know, I've, I've never really been involved in before, even though, you know, I had been a director of Australian Sailing for six years, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but coming in and, you know, being an athlete in 2008 with Andrew, um, and it's sort of, it's a really nice place with, you know, the young up and coming athletes, some of the more experienced athletes, um, you know, some great coaches, great management support staff. Um, you know, it's a really nice team and, um, it's going along nicely. We had a really good year last year. So as you say, you know, it's nice to finish the job. Yeah. I mean, 
You're, you're not someone to stray away from a challenge nor finishing something. I'm going to bring up our, our trivia screen now because we have a trivia comp that goes on during the week. And I've got that lovely picture of you down in the bottom left there on your etchels. You are the current etchel world champion, which is uh, definitely something not to be sneezed at as well. But I thought we might run through this trivia comp that we did, which your uh, daughters didn't do so well at, which I find entertaining. <laughs> Yeah. I think Toby got 100%, yeah. but he was cheating. Toby Palfrey looking over my shoulder when I was writing the questions. So he's not the winner this week, but we will let you know who the winner is when Tiana's back on deck. She's a bit crook today, so I've given her the day off. All righty. So we're going to start from the very beginning, and you can probably answer these questions better than anybody. But the first question was, what type of boat was Murray's first major win in? A, Sabo. B, Laser. C, cherub, or D, flying ant. We had it as the cherub. I know you just sailed flying ants as well, big fella, back in the day. Do you want to tell us about where it all started? Uh, well, it all started in flying ants down here, right here at Middle Harbour Yacht Club. Yeah, wow. Um, so a couple of years in flying ants, one year as a crew, one year as a skipper, and um, then got too big to those, uh, you know, the last year in flying ants i think we came fourth in the national titles the second year mm-hmm. um which gary geach won um and that was sort of you know flying ants it was we had 30 of them down here at middle harbour in those days and you know it was a lot of people that we see around in sailing you know the wilmots and the simmers and everyone anyway you moved on to cherubs and i moved on to cherubs and did a, a year in cherubs in a Dennis Dignam fiberglass cherub and in the second year I at the age of 12 I decided I was a bit smarter than the hat and uh, talked my father into letting me sell that boat and build another boat that I'd scribbled out a plan for and um, and we were lucky enough to win uh, the national championship in that boat um, uh, on Botany Bay and um, and then I moved on <laughs> into 12-foot and 16-foot skiffs. And so I think at the 12, time I was 13. Were you, were you 13. 12 when you won the Cherubs? 13s. But you designed that boat when you 14. were 12. <laughs> uh, yeah, designed and built it with my dad. That is the coolest thing. That's what you used to do, though. You used to, design, you used to build your boat with your dad. I know so many people who used to do that. Yeah, I'm, we I'm, did, you know. Yeah. It was one of those things that, you know, my dad gave me a little space in his factory and I'd go down there after school, which then progressed to going down there during school. And, um, and you know, I wasn't much use at school. I'd be sitting there in my geography and history books drawing scribbling boats anyway, so I might as well have been on the tools. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, I love it. There's, there's so many different things that you can do in this world and if you can follow your passion and what you're good at, that from that early... That's so cool. Nice that he supported you. Yeah, too. look, I, I was very, I was, you know, I was blessed that, you know, my father, you know, you know, he's still around today. Yeah. He's 96 years old, so he won't be watching this, I'm afraid. He hasn't, he's not up on this technology, but, you know, he's been incredibly supportive. <laughs> <laughs> It'll need to be on a VHS. <laughs> Maybe I can arrange that just for you, big fella. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, what a legend. 
So the next the next question we had, because then we you, we moved on from the cherubs, and I'm not sure if you had anything in between then and, and the 18s, but you were. Uh, well, I did. You know, I I I at at the end of the year in the cherubs, I'd you know I wanted to move on into the 12 foot skiffs, and I'd built one of those. You know, it was a boat called Jet Set, and I went and competed in the. Uh, my first championship and then you know I'd grown up in Middle Harbour Skiff Club and they didn't really want me to go around to the the 12s in the main harbour at Sydney Flying Squad and so they provided me uh, with a boat um, that was you know so I sailed on behalf of the club and you know continued on 16 footers in the club that year at Middle Harbour which was a great experience and a lot of 16 footer progressed through the club racing and then you had to go to the zone championships to qualify for the states and then you qualified from the states to go to the nationals and and mm. a real adventure you know we went up to bowen for the national championships and i i guess i was 14 or something like that then and um you know we i think we got in the you know the top 10 at the national championships so wow. That was rewarding and then you know i just continued on and with the 12 footers and a couple of years in those and um in the second year of the 12 footers won the inter-dominion championships and my first sponsored boat sunset motels and um and then went into the 18s so cool and in the 18s you kept building your boat i mean the modern day 18 effectively is one of your designs yeah, look, the boats that, you know, are currently doing the rounds 25 years ago, probably. Um, yeah. But back in the day, you know, um, in 1976, when I went into the 18s, you know, I wasn't old enough to to administer the, the sponsorship money, so my mother had to do that for me because I wasn't allowed to write a, <laughs> administer a bank account. So, um, so uh, we built a... 18 with John McConaughey, a plywood boat, and then radically sort of altered that the week before the championships and then basically moved into, you know, John and I went to America and went to Ford Aerospace and Hexel and all these companies and came back with over overweight baggage of carbon fibre and Nomex honeycomb and <laughs> vacuum bags and a whole lot of things that we knew absolutely nothing about. and set to building the first pre-preg carbon fiber honeycomb boat in the world in 1977 so it was an adventure for john and his staff and me and you know we struggled through and um you know we were spurred on by the work russell bowler had done with his new zealand 18 that first year and you know using foam sandwich which he'd pioneered in his days in cherubs and 12 foot skiffs in his Jennifer Julian boats and and so we tried to take it to a next level with sort of aircraft technology and we plundered our way through that and you know John's direction in his company McConaughey boats changed substantially and sort of you know we sort of probably blazed a little bit of a trail for what's common practice today yeah so amazing and then and that's the next question in in the trivia actually was in what class did Ian Murray win every championship between 1977, when you designed that first boat, and 1982? And it was, of course, the 18-foot skiffs, A, uh, six, 
JJ Gilton, I believe, in a row. Yep. Record breaking. Color seven. Yep. I think I've got a picture of color seven, actually. I'll bring it up. Where is it? I'm sure I've got one here. Or maybe not. But it's quite amazing to look back and see all of the memories, uh, especially when I'm researching all of these shows. And you would have seen on, on previously on that there are quite a few memories that we've managed to have. And uh, I have to say, just looking back through it and everything that you had achieved just at that point, at 1982, I mean, six JJs. And then did you move on? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I completed at the end of 1982 and, you know, I'd set my focus on going to the America's Cup and I'd offered myself up as a <laughs> as a labour source to Sid Fisher um, and that turned into a full-time job within 30 seconds. Uh, and that involved working with Alan Payne and Sid and his group of people down at Aquacraft in Roselle to build what then became Advance, um, mm. you know, Alan Payne's boat for Royal Sydney Yacht Squadron. Um, you know, so we built and built mass and learned about 12 metres, um, you know, and it was a pretty radical boat. It was radical in every way. Australia too was radical, but diametrically opposed to it. So it was long, heavy, um, yep. you know, there's not a lot of sail area and, you know, it had moments, but, you know, we were eliminated early in 1983 and then, um, the whole crew of Advance went over on to uh, Challenge 12 to sail it as a trial horse for Australia too, you know, during the finals period. So um, we ended up over there and sort of helping them and stand the bottom of the boat, being out there as a, a consistent trial horse on a daily basis to, you know, being there for that great victory of John and the team on A2 in September 1983. Unbelievable. And when I had John uh, you on the know, show. Incredible experience, really. Yeah, I bet. And I had John on the show earlier uh, this well, last month, and he said that it was actually really tricky for the Australia 2 team because Challenge, you guys on Challenge 12 and, and them on Australia 2, you were even pegging a lot of, time, lot of the time. So there was a, a hard choice to make. Yeah, look... Well, I think a lot of the time, you know, Australia too was a development boat and it, mm. you know, it was, I think like a lot of development boats, there was a few things to sort out and, and the Challenge 12 was just a very nice boat and still is in historic 12 metre racing. You know, Benny did a great job. So it was, it was a really consistent boat there as a trial horse and often in the mornings, you know, we'd start out and we'd probably, you know, a little faster than Australia too and, They'd have to sort of loop back and look at what they'd changed overnight and bits and pieces and get themselves into gear and um you know because it was a little bit more challenging boat to you know it's a twitchier boat I, I guess with the wing keel and the short skeg and everything that it had but you know look it was a great boat and great tool and they they got on top of their learnings and brought it home indeed they did and so we've now covered the next Two questions in the trivia comp, which were, uh, what was the name of the boat that Murray sailed on in 1983 in Newport, Rhode Island, competing in the America's Cup, Advance? And the next question, which was, what famous sailing hero did Ian Murray train against leading up to the 1983 America's Cup match? And it was John Bertrand. 
And then from there, you actually went on to skipper the 1987 America's Cup defending boat, uh, which was the Kookaburra Syndicate. So you did go back um, with Sid there. Well, no, Kookaburra was, uh, you know, it was a Parian court family from Western Australia. Okay. Um, Sid went to Fremantle with um, Steak and Kidney, which was another Peter Cole designed boat. Um, Still which in came Sydney Harbour? You know, <laughs> uh, it's somewhere around. And, um, yeah, so, you know, we built three Kookaburras and, uh, you know, we were a, a, you know, a big organisation and we were sort of head-to-head with, um, well, not only South Australia and Steak and Kidney from Sydney, but the Bond Syndicate's defence, um, yeah. you know, and, and they were the, the America's Cup champions. So, you know, we were the born in their side of uh, another team from Perth um, yeah. competing against them, you know, you know, for them to, to actually defend their title. So, you know, it was, a, it was a big, tough battle and, um, you know, we prevailed against, um, you know, Australia 4 as it was, um, you know, the Bonds defence boat and South Australia and Steak and Kidney. But, you know, we, I think in, in hindsight, we were just way too focused internally in Australia and by the time we got to race Dennis, you know, he'd got so fast, he'd cleaned the slate of all of the challenges and made short work of us as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden Stars on stars and Stripes had their heyday, I guess. Uh, well, Stars and Stripes, you know, they were evolving the boat. They were targeted for windy conditions. You know, they got themselves into the semi-final by the New York Yacht Club not winning a race they should have won in the last little bit of racing. and. Mm. Um, and then Dennis made a number of modifications to his boat and sort of wings and riblets on the hull and different sails and different balance and he was off. There's no stopping him after that. It's interesting that you have played in a lot of development classes. Is that because of your your joy for building? I'm Bob the Builder. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm definitely attracted you know, um, to the technical side of the sport and, you know, as being a sort of, as we spoke about early, you know, designing and building boats from, you know, very early ages of my life to mm. having a role in that, you know, all the way through the 12 metres, being footers, um, you know, and you know, still goes on today really, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. And, and, of course, you know, we had many years of yacht design company with mm. Murray burns Devell and um, all the America's Cups and, you know, and even after, you know, multiple design things in the America's Cups and stuff. So it's 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 definitely been of interest to me. Um, you know, as many people would say to us in the star class, you know, this one design star class is that, They'd look at Doggy and I and they'd say, you don't come here to race, do you? You just come here to work <laughs> on the boats. But that's what you got to do. you got to work on them. you got to get your head around them. And, and that's actually the next question, which a lot of people got wrong. Uh, it was, what was Ian Murray's nickname in the lead-up to his Olympics in 2008? 
and it was A, big fella, B, smart fella, C, funny fella, or D, little fella, because you are known as big fella, but you had to get a little bit off you for that Olympics, didn't you, big fella? <laughs> yeah, I had to lose 30 kilos for that. And, you know, we all targeted being exceptionally light for the what we thought was going to be light airs in in China, um, in Qingdao, but as it turned out, you know, when they uh, turned the industry off, the environment returned and we got sea breezes and waves and broken masts and a whole lot of things happened that we hadn't been anticipating and actually sort of overstepped the mark. We got too light. <laughs> yeah, there was a few people that, well, there were a few people who struggled with that. I remember the 49er medal race had everyone on their seats yeah. and, oh, it was yeah. incredible. It was survival. Yeah, unbelievable. So did you just Committee go... Committee stinking. Yeah. <laughs> it was not good, really. I mean, because everyone lost weight for that Olympics. I remember Ben Austin's diet being a grape. Like, I'll have a grape today. No, oh, look, it, you know, if you looked at some of the athletes there, you know, in hindsight today, you know, for their well-being, you'd have to say that it wasn't, um, you know, it, it, the malnutrition of athletes and, and drive to be weight-centric in their performance was, wasn't healthy. Yeah, definitely not healthy. But um, you moved on from that as well. You ticked your Olympic box, and now we see you back helping the Australian sailing team. Well, that was sort of 10 years later, you know, that was 2008, and, yeah. you know, finished in Fremantle in 1987, so it was was well after that, and, yeah. you know, going to the Olympics at 50 years of age was, <laughs> was sort of like a lot of, you'd walk in <laughs> and, and sort of, well, how come you're in that athlete's uniform? Aren't you over there with the coaches? Oi! <laughs> yeah, imposter. Oh, so much banter. Would have been fun, though. Did you like giving it to the young guys? Well, we didn't give it to them too much. They gave it to us, <laughs> to be honest. But um, look, it was, crack, a, it was it was look, it was a great experience, and we had our moments. Um, the Olympics wasn't one of those, but um, you know, the whole star program, the star competitors the um you know that it's just a really nice place to go and race boats in the star class you know there's yeah. some great people um some great camaraderie um great competitors you know it's mm. it's, it's good sailing for sure and in between 87 and those olympics there was match racing there were maxi boats i mean you've really tried every single element of this sport I think. So you've done Olympics, you've done AC, you've done match racing, you grew up in dinghies. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, no, look, it, it, all of that has always, you know, been something. And, you know, my time, you know, in the Ormoro de Venezia maxi program and winning the world championship there and my limited time match racing and obviously enjoyed, it. you know, some great success with Peter Gilmore and the Kookaburra team and yeah. winning the Grundig World Cup in Cannes, um, you know, which was a match racing world championship of that day in 1988. You know, the, look, they're just wonderful experiences. Wonderful. Yeah. And memories that will last forever. And I think, uh, I mean, 
a lot of people too recognize you for this Wild Oats 11 boat that you're involved with now. You're still actively sailing as well as being the director of performance for the Australian sailing team. You're also the current Etcher World Champ. But there was another team that you've been involved with recently and a lot of people can't believe that you would, um, would do this essentially was basically coach Gotta Love at Seven, which is the next question. You coached them to actually beat your record and win seven JJs in a row. That's uh, something incredible. A lot of people couldn't believe that you were involved with that team and you would actually help someone beat your record. Uh, well, it's a that... little more complex than that. Yeah. Well, you know, well, they got a lot of got a love at seventeen. You know, started mm. with my sponsorship from of them mm. of Color Seven back in nineteen seventy six, and it and Channel Seven sponsored me over the next thirty seven years. So, they got a love at seventeen was actually a continuum a long, long, long time ago. So yeah. it wasn't. I wasn't coaching them. It was actually my team. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> so you, um, the development that you again did with that hull and if anybody saw you in the boat park, they wouldn't doubt how much you put into that team. You were out on the rib every single day. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, look, we love our sailing. You know, the 18s have got a very special place. Uh, I think like most people who've sailed 18s, you know, they're special boats for those people. Um, and the community down there, once again, is a great community and putting a little bit back into the younger guys and, and you know, and sort of, you know, Channel 7's desire when they went back into um, the 18s was to give the youth uh, a youth team an opportunity to develop and stuff and, you know, effectively trials for that crew and Sevy Sam and, and but, you know, were the basis of that crew and that changed with a variety of third people over, you know, effectively a 10-year period, but, mm. you know, really rewarding and successful for, you know, for, you know, Colour 7 and Gotta Love at 7 and, and the people at 7, Saul Stein, David Leckie, um, you know, even the first person who engaged with me Ted Thomas, um, yeah. you know, back then, who I still see regularly. Um, you know, it's just been the whole Channel 7 thing has, has uh, you know, has been very fortuitous and a great long-term relationship, you know, Channel 7, Sydney Harbour, traditional 18s, um, you know, supporting people accomplish their dreams. Which is so amazing because... I think you have, you're someone in our sport who has achieved so much, but if anybody has seen you on the ground at the America's Cup or at the 18s, you're now constantly giving back to not only the 18s but the AC working as regatta director as well. Uh, you, you had to put up with me every single day in Bermuda interviewing you, sticking a microphone in your face, you poor soul. Uh, but you just love the AC as well. Look, it's probably a bit of a common theme here that I'm a bit of a boat sailing junkie, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, you know, look, I've been very fortunate in all of my travels. I'm, you know, I, I've been engaged at the various highest levels of our sports and doesn't matter 
you know, whether it's been my own activities or um, the activities of others in the America's Cup, the Olympics and stuff, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's addictive to, mm. you know, be around young, progressive, you know, smart, great sailors. Um, you know, it, it's, sailing's an amazing sport, you know, you get older and you get, smarter and and hopefully you get a bit more cunning on the race course to do what you can do and and we keep learning all the time every time we go out we keep learning and the young guys learn faster and they they're good at some things and the old guys are good at some other things and if you can keep your seat keep yourself in that learning loop of young old new ideas new technologies um you know Hopefully, I'll be around like Gordon Aingate winning races in the 90s. <laughs> that would be <laughs> ideal. And, and so the next two questions were, uh, in what years was Ian Murray Regatta Director for the America's Cup? So far, 2013 and 2017. But you're also now signed on to do 2021, I believe, in Auckland. Um, your current role okay. is the director of performance with the Australian sailing team. You're also involved involved with the Sail GP circuit. You are the race director there as well. So, I guess you're getting to touch base with those younglings not only through the Got to Love at Seven. You've had the America's Cup exposure. You've got the Olympics exposure. You've got the Sail GP exposure. You're a little bit spoiled, not that you're not hardworking, but that's amazing if that's what you're setting out to do. <laughs> uh, look, you know, yeah, I'm just very fortunate. I work with really great people in a lot of organisations, um, you know, who, who, who allow me to, to do this multitude of different tasks um, yeah. and... You know, and hopefully I bring to all of those tasks a cross-reference of the latest technology and upgrades for everyone, um, you know, by by doing that. So, you know, as I said, we're all trying to learn, yep. trying to be world's best at what we do and staying in touch, you know, with all of the stakeholders and participants in America's Cup, Sail GPs, Olympics, um, ocean racing, Etchells, yeah. you know, it's... It's uh, it's just, you know, as I used to go down after school down to Mill and Whitworth and I'd go out to the back shop where the masts were being built and start pestering Benny Lexon with questions about, well, why are you doing this and why are you doing that, you know? So, you know, unfortunately, it's still there. It's <laughs> the inquisitive master has not died. Um, and um, so... That's me. It's not That's unfortunate at all. It's not unfortunate. It's very fortunate for the rest of us who get to learn and and uh, and have access to you. And I, I actually call us sailing diehards. And I think I think this show has just been a collection of diehards who who uh, just, as you said, gotten addicted to our sport and just want to learn and 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 grow in whatever it is that they're talented at. Be it, you know, allocating performance or 
looking for differences in boat design or ways to progress, which obviously is, is your line of expertise, but then perhaps being able to be exposed to the Olympics, to the AC, to Sal GP, to your ocean racing has then helped you to win your second Etchell World Championship last year, which is awesome. <laughs> Well, it's going for a sale, really. You know, it's, you know, I spoke earlier about you know our huge battles against you know the Australia Four, and you know to have the skipper of that boat, Colin, sitting next to me and working the main sheet and traveller, and you know telling us where to go is, you know, after growing up in the sport at a similar time and progressing through as competitors in you know America's Cup and Etchells and stars and a lot of boats to actually be together collectively in one boat with Richie is, you know, it's just been a really rewarding um, time and, and special on the actual. Yeah. And you guys work so hard too, because when I look back to the Brisbane Worlds just a year prior, uh, and your scorecard had a lot of letters on it, you, you yeah. pushed and pushed and pushed over the next 12 months and put in so many hours training well it's you know it doesn't matter who you are or what you are you know you you take out what you put in and um you know clearly in brisbane we had some moments of good performance and some moments of poor execution so we need we needed to do quite a lot of work it's interesting though, I, when I look back at my own sailing and when I now get to talk to others and, and see how they, and I'm really fascinated talking to people about how they then succeed. There's so many times where someone has a massive failure and then after that they come back and have the massive success. I mean, Tom Slingsby in Beijing and then London, yourself in Brisbane and then in, in Texas. It's, it's quite a motivating factor when you don't win. Yeah, it is. Um... You know, none of us like losing. Uh, I think particularly when you know there's potential to do better than, than, you know, when you haven't fulfilled what you believe are your goals and your potential, is it leaves a pretty, you know, big hole in, in your heart. And I think most of us don't want to leave it at that. And, you know, it's interesting talking to Tom about it and seeing him in Hamilton Island in 2008. You know, he was of really mixed minds as to whether to walk away from the sport or, you know, take it on with everything that he could and go and fix it. And luckily for us in Australia, you know, he, you know, he chose the latter. But, you know, for a little while there, he was swinging in the balance. Yeah, it's, a, it's a hard choice to make, but as you say, rewarding if you can get over that hump and work on your, uh, and, and work on your weaknesses effectively. Well, you know, when you get there in the end, it doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. But then this year, 2020, it's been so challenging for everyone. I mean, you sh we both should be heading to Tokyo right now, essentially, or already be there. Uh, the Sail GP circuit was... Yeah, be there, exactly. The Sail GP circuit was cancelled. Uh, the, the Olympics will now be next year, we hope. The America's Cup should be in March and, and you'll be regatted director. It, it's a really interesting time for our sport. 
Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I guess, you know, depending on where you are in the world and what restrictions you have. But mm. up here in Sydney, it's starting to look a little bit more normal. And, you know, the training of the Australian sailing team is, you know, back to more normal, other than the fact that we're supposed to be in Europe competing in, you know, our major. Um, you know, as you said, we should be in the, um, you know, in the lead up to Tokyo. Yeah, we, we should be in Enoshima. Yeah. Um, but we're not. And, you know, we have to look at that in the best way that we can mm -hmm. and make the most out of it, of what we have, and, and utilize this time and this place as to how to take the biggest advantage that we can from it. And, and so to continue through this in terms of our training, our educations, our upskilling has, has been really um, vital time for us to, you know, look, you know, look at what we can do, um, be quite inventive about some of the things that we've done. Um, as you mentioned earlier, our training camps and Coffs Harbour simulating Enoshima have been yeah. wonderful in the camp atmosphere. So it's an option to do a lot of little things as well as we can that hopefully we do better than the rest of the world. And, you know, we have some young athletes in the team that we can hopefully lift and polish um, into better performances than they probably would have got at this time. Yeah, fantastic. And I just have to say there's a lot of comments coming through uh, with people watching saying that you're a legend, uh, great ambassador for our sport, loving this relaxed setting, how we can really listen to his mind. So um, <laughs> so that's pretty nice, big fella. And, and I guess that then asks the question, you've got potentially the Olympics next year, the America's Cup. Uh, that must be exciting to be heading to Auckland. Uh, yeah, look, you know, it's, um, it's all a little bit, sort of terrifying. I think the American new boats, um, I think they were hoping for a big hit out in Sardinia and Portsmouth, which, you know, hasn't happened. Mm. So the boats have been sailing around and you know, they're just going to go straight into the competition and bang, it's going to be over, mm. um, you know, with huge amount of effort from the four teams and, you know, the people involved and the boats of what they are. Um, you know, it's going to be very fast-moving, spectacular, and, you know, the moment of truth will arrive before we know it as to, you know, who the challenger is and who the defender is, and then there'll be that almighty sort of experience of them coming together for the first time, yeah. which hasn't happened like that for a while and, and sort of, well, who is it? You know, who is the best <laughs> team? Who is the fastest? It's sort of, uh, and then it'll be over, you know, and then it's, <laughs> It'll all be over. It uh, it might be exciting no, for you though. Olympics. Because, yeah, as an as an AC junkie, I'm going to call you. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, firstly, did you ever think that you'd see monohulls foiling like this? As someone who's really interested in in boat design, and secondly, it might be nice to have the cup like this, how it used to be, having the defender and challenger come up against each other, having not seen them race, which we saw happen in Bermuda. They did race each other. Yeah, look, I think, you know, in Bermuda, everyone had a 
pretty good grip on how it was all going um, with the boats in the combined racing prior. Um, obviously, New Zealand turning up late there, um, you know, was a little bit of a mystery, but I think the signs were on the, the wall with their test boat in New Zealand and stuff that, you know, they'd done a lot of things well. Um, here's our whole campaign presenting at Bang We're Racing is I think carries quite a lot of excitement and, yeah. and around it. Um, it is a little bit more of the traditional way than it was in Bermuda and I think that's, you know, part of Patrizio Batelli's desire to yeah. to take it back and obviously the monohulls, which is, you know, like their monohulls are in, in the water but when they've got all the foils hanging out of them, they're not too much different. They're foiling boats. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we used to talk about catamarans and monohulls. I tend to talk more in terms of fast and slow boats these days. You Fair know, enough. To do with the aero and the apparent wind and everything else we do. But it's look, it, it's all I know is the next few months are just going to whiz by, and it's uh, you know it's exciting times. I was talking to Terry just about this that yeah. you know he's there and doing his time in quarantine and you know he's going to get out of there and he'll be on the gas pedal and yeah and have a minute to spare <laughs> it's going to be good i'm very excited uh i i actually really think it's a great thing to have the big reveal as such we might get a bit of that back mm. in auckland which will be good so i'm excited for that but Thank you so much for spending time with us today, Big Fella. I know you're a busy man and I, I know that all the viewers will really appreciate you sharing uh, your stories and I guess we've got to give a big shout-out to all of your girls as well who are big supporters of yours, including your puppy dogs. When I was going back through the archives, there's so many pictures of you with puppy dogs. I'm like, oh, so cool. <laughs> I know your most a recent dog. one. Yeah, there's always a dog. Yeah, you, you can check her. <laughs> on Instagram with the, her Instagram account. So, <laughs> so check good. in on Tilly. Give give her a few uh, likes. Yeah, let's give Tilly <laughs> a few likes there on Instagram, everybody. I'll make, I'll make sure I share that in my story for you too, big fella. But good luck with uh, the Australian sailing team. Uh, hashtag not biased. Very biased. Uh, <laughs> Wishing them all the best and looking forward to seeing your work with the America's Cup come March and, of course, the Sail GP circuit, which will hopefully be back next year. We're lucky. Sometime. We get a bonus. Right. Maybe we'll get two Sydney events in a row. <laughs> stay safe. You stay safe too, big fella. Thanks so much. See you, everybody. We'll see you next week. We've got Kay Cotty. She's going to be calling in the first female to sail nonstop unassisted solo round the world. We have to get somebody good to back you up, big fella. <laughs> See you, everybody.